0: Welcome to everything trying to kill you. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Megan. And today we're going to talk about Patty Jenkins movie Monster from 2003. Um, If you haven't seen it, it's on Hulu so you can watch it if you want. I thought it was very well done. Did you think so?
1: Yeah, I did. I saw it back in the day when it came out, but I had not watched it since it came out.
0: Yeah, same. Um, it's in case you haven't seen it, it's about, um, America's second female serial killer, Eileen Warnos. And I got her when we did the crime museum, which serial killer are you test last week. So I, I mean, I'm partial to her as far as serial killers go. Um, and so we, we had a question and this is because, and we're going to talk about the background of it first I think but just so you know why we picked this question, one of the things that Eileen Warnos is famous for is that she robbed a convenience store uh, wearing a bikini and she got thirty five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think she got like a pack of cigarettes and $35, but she also got to, you know, tell everyone she robbed a convenience store in a bikini, which, I mean, if you're going to have something on your rap sheet, I feel like that's worth it. So our question was...
1: Go big or go home.
0: I agree. Um, What would you wear to kill someone? Like, what would you wear?
1: I love this question. I love it so much. (laughs) It can go so... So many different ways. <laughs> I mean, how do you decide? Is your answer the same one as last time?
0: Uh, I don't know. What did I say?
1: The gold sequence bikini with a fur coat?
0: No, but I just said that because I wanted to be like her.
1: Oh, okay. So what would you actually wear?
0: So I have an evil Kermit scenario. Do you know that meme? I do. Okay. So my ev- my my true self says, You have so many pretty dresses to choose from. And evil Kermit says... Buy another one. (laughs) So, (laughs) I I do think that I would wear sequins, though. I feel like gold sequins is on theme. I really just want to look like Marion Cotillard in Inception. I like it. Thank you. It's impractical, but
1: this is a fantasy, so. I don't know. I feel like I would go mildly impractical. Maybe it is practical, because at first I said something similar, that I was going to wear, like, my prettiest dress, because... You must dress to impress when killing somebody, right? Are you going to wear your wedding dress? Oh, man. I regret my answer. That would have been great. You can have two. You can kill two people. Okay, so option one, my wedding dress, because it's beautiful and deserves to be worn across all occasions. I agree. Or option two is going to maybe be more true to my daily life, and I'm going to wear combat boots and a leather mini skirt.
0: Those are two real different murders, but respect.
1: Yeah, so I guess it depends on why am I murdering this person on would I go with the leather mini skirt or my wedding dress. If I was killing Andrew, I would absolutely wear my wedding dress with combat boots.
0: Of course. It's sort of a wreck the dress scenario. Oh my god, yes. Well, another fun thing that I could do, I mean, this is of course in the fantasy, I would never kill anyone for real, the only people that I feel like I would ever even like in this fantasy scenario, Mary Kay, would kill are like lovers who had wronged her. So if I like bought a wedding dress for that murder, <laughs> that would be pretty cool.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: But why did? Are you going to tell us why Eileen did her stuff? Like the background on her, right? I. Love
1: her. I don't, that's such a weird word to use. She is one of the murderers that I'm most intrigued by. And at really odd times, I almost feel bad for her. And I know you shouldn't because she's killed seven people, but.
0: In self defense, probably, maybe. Maybe.
1: Yeah, for real though. From the beginning, her life was just like set up for failure. Oh yeah, her parents had a really rocky relationship. The mom got married at 15. And basically just like was not ready to carry out anything related to motherhood. And so her birth mom ditched out. This is Eileen's birth mom. Yes, Eileen. So slightly unrelated to the movie, the real life Eileen. Her birth mom ditched out before Eileen was even four years old. And her birth dad was a child molester and was in prison and eventually hanged himself. So she never knew her birth parents. She was raised by her grandparents, but the story kind of gets even worse because she did not know they were grandparents until she was 12 years old. And then she had a rocky relationship even with her grandparents because her grandfather... Grandfather? Her grandfather was abusive and her grandmother was a raging alcoholic. And so she claimed several times and there was no proof behind it so I say claims I don't mean to like ever victim shame or anything like that but she claims she was sexually molested by her grandfather and her brother and later she became pregnant when she was 14 it's also rumored that it was the neighborhood like sexual predator it's like this old man that always invited kids over and was like come sit in my lap little girl and so it's rumored that that's the father but was never proven Wait,
0: I have a thing. I have a question. Because I heard or read or heard, I don't remember, that she, this is Eileen, real person Eileen. I'm going to say Eileen when I'm talking about a real person and Lee when I'm talking about in the movie. Is that cool? Mm Mm-hmm. That way we can tell them apart. Okay. Real life Eileen, I've heard, was a sex worker from the time she was 11
1: interesting.
0: That's what I heard. Now, I don't know if that's true. And I mean, I I guess it doesn't really matter so much as like, people who live high risk lifestyles are often like, well, what did you expect type of victim shaming? But I I mean, I don't think that's what you're doing. I just feel like neighborhood gossip wise, that might have been the case. Like, well, I mean,
1: it's super possible. But um, so she became pregnant when she was 14. And Nobody wanted to deal with that. So they sent her for a home for unwanted mothers. She eventually gave birth to a baby boy who was put up for immediate adoption. And then when she came home shortly after, her grandmother died of liver failure because she drank constantly. And her grandfather insisted that Eileen and her brother be removed from the home because he didn't want anything to do with them either. And so then Eileen ran away to a life of hitchhiking and crime And I assume that's when the prostitution started, but that might not be true. But her brother, at 21, died of throat cancer, and then her grandfather committed suicide. So there was nothing left for her there, and she hitchhiked to Florida. She got married when she was 20 to a 69-year-old man. He was super wealthy, yacht owner and whatnot. And
0: Gotta get you a yacht. I mean, if you're going to marry an old dude... If you're gonna get married get you
1: a yacht I need to tell Andrew to buy us a yacht
0: well you guys travel a lot that's
1: about the same but uh she couldn't shake her eileen she got into a lot of bar fights and was just generally kind of raucous and her husband said that that did not fit into his idea of high society and he got the marriage annulled so she just kind of wandered aimlessly for about 10 years as a prostitute met tyria her girlfriend in a bar in daytona and it was a biker bar but it was a four-year relationship which was eileen's longest relationship and eventually you know tyria is who got her to confess to her murders
0: yeah and we see that in the movie too um with lee and selby and tyria is selby in the movie right hey why do you think they changed their names
1: I know why they changed their names.
0: Okay, I don't. I'm excited.
1: Tyria is really protective of her reputation. And trademarked is not the word I'm looking for. But she would not release rights to use her likelihood. So they had to make up a semi-fictional person. Because at this point, well not when the movie came out, but later. Like she just wanted to live a normal life. And so she's married with kids now and tries to just fly under the radar But she didn't want her reputation to be tainted, so they had to make it fictional, or at least fictional-based. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's good to know, because I was wondering um, if you're going to tell the true events of something why lean into the fictionalization part of it but that makes sense because you can't really tell a true story until everyone's dead yeah I had some real real serious problems with Lee and Selby though like as a couple heartbreaking issues about like first of all Selby is kind of dumb I mean, she's not stupid, but she's just kind of oblivious. And Lee is the exact opposite. Like, she... In the opening... And I was rewatching it while we were kind of, like, getting our shit together. Watching the opening credits. Like, the first thing you see is based on a true story. Which, I mean, to me, like, when I see that, I'm like, Okay, so you've taken a lot of creative liberties. Otherwise, this would be on the ID channel. That's what I usually think. But... In this case, it kind of grounds it a lot because you get the montage of Lee's childhood and how like she's snapped out of the childhood like she's modeling in front of the mirror with her like pretty blue dress on and then like somebody like spins her out of it and then you see her like flashing the boys for money or whatever. And then you and then it cuts to a really loud sound of a car going under an uh, an overpass while she's thinking about killing herself. And I just feel like that's like that's the, if you have to gloss over the childhood, I feel like that was a really, I remember what, watching it the first time it came out and being like, I don't think that this woman is, I mean, like you, you call her a monster. Someone made her that way. I mean, like that's, I mean, that's what I was thinking about. And then so when she goes into the bar and Selby is like, hey, can I buy you that drink? And she's like, I can buy my own drink. I was like, bitch, no, you can't. Like, no, you can't. You can't, but she, I don't know. It just makes me so sad because they're both really vulnerable in opposite ways and their vulnerabilities could work together, but they don't. Like, they really destroy each other.
1: Well, I'm just going to make a note because you mentioned on, like, why would they call her a monster? And, you know, that was obviously the name of the movie. But I think I know where they got that, too. Because Eileen has an autobiography, and it's actually a, a really interesting read And the title of it is Monster, My True Story.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So she referred to herself as a monster, which kind of is heartbreaking to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, but also she definitely
1: is. No, for sure. For sure. Not arguing that at all. I think it's just, like you said, like, she was kind of made this way. Obviously, people face hardships and can bounce back and... I don't know. She had a lot fighting against her, and I think it's just sad that she knew she was the white and maybe she just kind of leaned into it.
0: All she wanted was for, like, someone to love her because she had never had that. And then here comes Selby being like, can you pay some attention to me? And Eileen was like, Lee was like, absolutely, I can. Um, I'll do literally whatever it takes to keep you in my life. It's real sad to me, like, that she acknowledges that she's a monster and takes total responsibility for it it's like yeah that's good of you but also um we're all of these like motherfuckers who fucked you over to begin with where's i mean dead by their own hand anyway so casting wise I don't think there's any actual footage of Eileen Warnos in the
1: movie, is there? Um, no, but she plays that role so convincing, I had to double take, even re-watching it. I was like, what the hell? That looks, and acts, and talks, just like Eileen.
0: Dude, listen, when she has, like, that little thing where she's at the bar and, like, flips her hair back, I was like, oh my gosh, like, and then I went and watched some, a couple of interviews with... Eileen, too. And, like, the voice, the accent, like, the timbre, everything is spot on.
1: Yes! Everything down to the way she moves her fingertips is so spot on.
0: It really is. And I think that that's so fascinating, too, of, like, acting as a real person. Because it's almost an impression, but an impression, like, overstates it. And with, like, when you're acting like another person, you have to, like, understate it. Which is interesting, because... Well, they cast... I'm going to mispronounce her name, so you have to help me. They cast Charlize Theron?
1: Uh, yeah, Theron, Theron. People pronounce it differently. I usually just say Charlize Theron, but live your life.
0: I mean, I will pronounce it six different ways just, <laughs> like, talking about it, so... Um, but they cast her, and she's, like, one of the most traditionally beautiful women. Like, she's in a Chanel commercial. Like, she's tall and slender and blonde and... And I remember whenever she's doing, like, she's getting these awards, right? Because it's like, not only is this a really compelling rendition, but also you look nothing like this woman, you know? And so I remember, like, and I think this came out 2003. So I was still in high school. And I didn't see the movie, I I mean, at the time, because I was, like, 17 when it came out and couldn't handle it. Well, no, that's not true. I would have been, like, 15.
1: I saw it in theaters.
0: Damn, girl.
1: My friend and I... Went to go see it after school one day, but we said we were going to see something different. But I mean, let's be honest, I've been intrigued by this topic since I was really young, so I followed the case on TV. Well, my mom followed the case on TV, so like, I followed it too, I guess.
0: No, I was really discouraged from seeing that movie, and I was like, okay, whatever, I'm 16, I don't know, it's good, I, I don't know. Um, pretty sheltered, actually compared to, like, what I am interested in now, which is, I mean, I'm fine, like, my childhood was pretty fine, um, but the, the oh, what I was gonna say is, like, I remember, like, being at my dad's house, and my dad's friend was over, and they, we were just, like, watching whatever was on between sports, like, I don't know, did your dad do that thing where it would be, like, okay, cool, they're gonna have a commercial on this football game, I'm just gonna flip channels until I think it's back on, it was infuriating, okay, <laughs>
1: I mean, I know what you're talking about, but my dad was not a sports person.
0: Well, anyway, so my dad and his friend were. And so we flipped it over to, like, whatever channel does the interviews with E. They had her, they had Charlize, and then they had Lee. And my, I remember my dad's friend being like, is that not really what she looks like? He, his mind was blown because he, he didn't know about the movie or anything. And I just thought that that was a really interesting choice to to pick someone who is so, you know, like iconically and... I mean, she's traditionally beautiful. I mean, I want to say, like, typically beautiful because that kind of undermines... And there's nothing
1: wrong with that. She's stunning. Absolutely stunning.
0: I mean, she is. I mean, truly. The fact that they could take someone who is so stunning and turn her into Eileen Warnos, I think was really compelling because that alone got a lot of attention. And it kind of showed, too, that, like, given the right conditions someone who could turn out to be Charlize Theron turns out to be Eileen Warnos instead. And so it's like, I don't know, it's like it was really genius, like, I don't know, I'm sure it wasn't a publicity stunt, but, um, did you know this is the same director that did Wonder Woman? No, I didn't. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, I think that that's pretty dope to be able to do both of those, well, like, that's versatile right there, (laughs) like, that's, yeah, my student told me that, uh, they were like, Patty Jenkins... It is Patty, right? It is Patty Jenkins, right? Yeah. Um, She's like, well, I trust her. (laughs) That emoji that's like big eyes staring straight ahead and blushing. I was like, yeah, me too. That's why. Mm -hmm. Yep. So shout out to Caitlin for dropping some knowledge on me. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, this came out in 2003 right after Florida killed
1: Eileen. Literally, like the next year, which is funny to me because if you've seen some of her documentaries and some of her interviews... She didn't want to talk about the murders. And one of the reasons that she reported that she didn't want to talk about the murders is because she didn't want people profiting off of her story. She didn't want people to turn it into books and movies and everything else. So they're like, oh, she's dead? Time for a movie. That's kind of shitty. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed the movie, and I liked who directed it. I think it was really well done. But again, I almost feel bad for her and I feel weird feeling bad for her, but she didn't want to be this dinner topic or this thing to be profited on. And we literally barely waited a few months for her to be dead before we turned into a major emotion picture.
0: I did not see it as, to me, I mean, to me. And I saw it, I think, finally when I was maybe 20. I think I was like, yeah, I think I was 20 when I finally saw it. And I remember... I remember when it came out everyone was like, Oh, well first of all it was two thousand three so it was totally different time to have like a lesbian scene in a movie. Now it's like what do you mean you don't have any gay characters? And then it was like, What do you mean you have a gay character? And it's consummated on screen. Like it was pretty scandalous when it came out. Um which I mean is problematic for the time and has since been largely corrected. Not totally, obviously, but I remember that was a big thing when it came out. Do you remember that?
1: I do. But I also think that it's problematic. One of the things that they put in the movie, and I'm not particularly sure why or what it added to this story, but it could be related to the time that it came out. Like you said, it was a scandalous topic, but Selby in the movie is living with relatives or friends of the family to basically be cured of her gayness.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a sort of a group home, pray you straight type of scenario. I don't know, it's so fascinating to me to like see movies, to re-watch movies that came out early 2000s about a time period before that, to watch those now, and be like, oh man, you guys are making all kinds of mistakes, how could you not know? And it was like, oh, we're learning as a culture, collectively, that like it's not okay to discriminate against marginalized groups, but I mean, baby steps, right? Now is the best time to be alive, not by a lot, but it is best um, I, I mean,
1: it was the butterfly clips. That's what made it so great. And inflatable furniture. Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> I was going to say, because I'm a woman who is not straight up white and also a professor, which would have been like unheard of 50 years ago.
1: I mean that too, but also inflatable furniture.
0: <laughs> but the eclipse and the inflatable furniture, like that's important too. Oh my gosh. So, one of the things that, I mean, honestly, like, we're pretty funny bitches, but I was kind of worried that we weren't going to be able to, like, make this funny. <laughs> we'll just bring in total red herrings. No, you know what we should talk about next? What color bikini she probably wore when she was knocking over that convenience store.
1: Oh, man. Do we not know the answer to that for real?
0: I don't know, but I want to guess. Yeah. really. Yeah, best case scenario, I feel like the the bikini would have been American flag print.
1: Oh, my God, I love that. I was going to say red, but I like the American flag.
0: Mm, Yeah, red is good, too. American flag print or maybe leopard print?
1: Ooh, maybe zebra.
0: Ooh, zebra. I have a zebra bikini. I'm not going to say I'm going to rob anybody, but I have a
1: zebra bikini. All right, I can't find anything on this, so we're going to just... We're going to vote that it was an American flag on top. It's going to have... One boob is red and white stripes. (laughs) The other boob is blue with white stars and leopard print on the bottom. (laughs)
0: Yes. Oh, it's a triangle even. It's not even like a... Oh, it's a string. Okay. Can the strings be made of solid gold? And maybe she's also
1: wearing those flip-flops that are platforms.
0: Yes. Well,
1: those were later, but I don't even care.
0: Let's just go with
1: it. No, I don't care. This is a fantasy plot line. She also has a fur coat and sunglasses. Aviators. Or those big circle ones from the 70s.
0: I have those. They're giant. They cover my whole fucking face. I call them my windshield. That's how big they are. There's like no light getting
1: in. Are those the ones you wore in Italy? They're amazing. Those are beautiful. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I wore them everywhere. And then I broke them and then I bought another pair. They were like 10 bucks on Amazon. The windshields? The windshields. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, anyway, okay, so in in the movie, Lee keeps telling herself and she tells Selby um, that she's a good person. Like, she really is like, I'm a good person. And I just wanted to know, basically, what the fuck? Like, what, is, what does she mean? Do you think so?
1: Do I think she's a good person?
0: Yeah, do you think she's a good person?
1: I think that's what I wrote down in my notes. Like, is she a monster or is she a vigilante? she almost reminds me of Dexter. She's doing a horrific thing, but at least in her head, she's doing it for a good reason. She's ridding the people of scum and rape and abuse and manipulation. And I think it's because of all this pent-up rejection and abuse and hostility inside of her. So I don't think that in her head she's doing anything wrong. I truly think that she... She
0: thinks that she's going good. Yeah. Um, especially, and this is, man, when I finally did see this movie, I was like 19, I'm maybe 19, maybe 20, and I had, like, very little perspective on the world. And, and and I mean, I'm not saying, like, I have a ton of perspective now, but I definitely felt that way then as it was happening, like, as I was living, I was like, man, I've been really sheltered my whole life. And then also, like, now in retrospect. But I, the scene I remember... Was when she did kill that guy out of self-defense. That's the only scene I remembered from the first time that I saw it. And I remember when she's, like, screaming and she's all bloody and she's like, Motherfucker, motherfucker. You Remember this part? I do. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how it could not be seared into your mind's eye, but, like, you can't unsee that once you've seen it. So if you're watching, if you're going to watch this movie, trigger warning for sure. Like, there's no way. It, sh- it should trigger you. That's the point. But... I do remember even, like, my sheltered 19-year-old self, I was like, you need to fuck him up. Like, you need to turn around and, like, get that gun, get out of there, girl. Like, this, you are the victim. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about, when a sex worker is murdered, it's usually, like, prostitute dies like this has happened like now like this year um I really feel like that first of all the the phrasing is unfair because that is immediately like oh well what did you expect type of deal and then also that's human like that's still a person who was murdered regardless of how he or she usually she but he or she got in that situation it's still a murder. Like, don't forget that part. <laughs> I, I have, like, a, a hard time with that, especially because I just don't feel like anyone would do it. Any Anyone, but especially, like, any woman would do it if, if she or he felt like they had another option. Like, it's a last-ditch effort. And I feel like to blame the sex worker for giving the supply where there's a demand, that's not fair. Like, there's a demand... If there wasn't a demand for it, you wouldn't need to supply it.
1: No. I agree entirely. Absolutely. And I can't imagine... And not not to speak for an entire population, but obviously the majority of the people that are in this field are probably not in it because they love it. Because I... Can't only imagine. Like, it's scary. That's fucking
0: terrifying. It's terrifying enough consensually. It can so easily turn into something that you don't want. Yeah,
1: but... And, I mean, there is no background to these people. It's terrifying. There's a lot of trust in people that you don't trust, basically. And you're doing this to make ends meet. Like, it's a means of a living. And if somebody is a factory worker... Not to say these are comparable... But obviously, like, it's not pleasant work conditions. But if a factory worker dies, you're not like, what'd that bitch expect? He got what he deserved. Factory worker dies. Like, it's tragic. It's a human life that was lost, regardless of how it was lost.
0: Yeah, and I think the issue is, right, the morality, right? Like, there's nothing morally wrong with uh, working in a factory, for example. Um, And I don't want to cast blame on anyone who has, like, who has been a sex worker, but that's, like, for most people, not, like, not a morally sa- safe place. Although I feel like, again, if the factory work was available, probably you'd go with that first because it is a super high-risk lifestyle. That's just me. And then I also, f- so I have a, a little bit of, like, a, a slant, I think, on that of, like, that's why we think she's a monster, too. Is like well, oh, will she put herself in that position? No. the The caregiver's... Started putting her in that position first. This is Eileen, of course, not like Lee because we don't see that happen on on screen. But I don't know. It made me feel a lot of things. Even as a nineteen year old, I was like, I feel like this is not as cut and dry as you want it to be.
1: Like it's not, it's not working. But we also see Lee in the movie try to get out of this field. She eventually she has a line, and it got crossed, and it led to. I mean, I guess her ultimate downfall, like, it's the first murder, and then it just all went downhill from there, but then she tries to go get, like, a real job, and she has no experience. She can't. She can't get out of this hole that she dug. She ran away from a really shitty life when she was 20 and did what she could to get away and make ends meet, and now here she is, 10 or so years later, no job experience that she can put down on paper... And nobody respects her. Nobody takes her seriously. So she has to go back to this career field, to this way of life, and it just spirals the fuck out of control.
0: Real quick, real fucking quick. Thank you, Drake. Look, Drake, there's problems with him. We know this. But sometimes he just says it the way that it needs to be said.
1: Hell yeah, fucking right. (laughs) That was
0: perfect. I was hoping that you would say that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: You're back <laughs> thank you
0: um also great smile drake just keep cheesing please yes please just smile at me i feel like me, the only reason me and drake aren't together is because we haven't met i'm just saying he can come to town but he can't call
1: rude well also you're gonna have to fist fight whitley for him so shout out whitley we're talking about your husband and you're going to have to fight Mary Kay for him.
0: Whitley, I would never fight you. No, I would never fight Whitley over a man. We would draw straws at most. Um, anyway, so I'm wondering, because I feel like by outsider standards, like, Lee is not a good person. I mean, she, she's killed someone morally kind of shaky. But, I mean, she's still a person.
1: She is a person. And I think she's doing the best she can. She's doing what she knows how. Not that that justifies it or makes any of it okay. Just wanted to clarify that.
0: When she talks about she's a good person, remember she wants to kill that one guy? And she's like, I bet you like it really rough. And he's like, and he's real nervous, right? He's like, no, I actually, I really don't. I haven't done this before. I don't know what I'm doing. And he just like, he opens his wallet and then he just sets it on the dash and he's like real embarrassed. And she was planning to kill him. And then she doesn't.
1: So somewhere under all of that, there is a moral compass.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure. I mean, that might be part of the part that's fictionalized, because we don't know that, right? Like, by the time that Eileen was put... Oh, my gosh. Have you heard her, like, day-before-dying interview?
1: I've heard it all, seen it all. I have been to the ends of the dark web with Eileen research
0: it's real sad they're like what well, how do you feel about tomorrow morning she's like i'm okay with it i mean you see her at the beginning of the movie lee at the beginning of the movie like already ready to die and then she doesn't for some reason and then she meets selby which i can only imagine in that scenario seems like a godsend
1: yeah well she tells us why she didn't kill herself she said that she got she said she got five dollars for sucking some guy off her exact words and she said that she had to spend that five dollars or it's like she gave him a blowjob for free so she went into the bar and said that she was going to buy a drink and that if God had something to send to her that was going to change her life he had a very small window of time to do it and he needed to do it now and then Selby confronts her in the bar. I remember that now. Which that's not how it happened in like her real life but it. In terms of the movie, like, it's pretty dramatic. And I think, again, it almost makes her a little bit more human to us.
0: Yeah, oh, a lot more, right? I mean, who hasn't been there where it's like, look, if you're going to do something, if there's a point, I need you to, yeah. I mean, you can't do that, right? Like, you can't, like, that's not the way that it works. But that's that's real sad. And then to have, like, that hope introduced and then just, like, totally snatched away. Like, right away. Like, Selby sets her up. Like, she's recording it. And she's like, what about the guy What about the car? What about, you know, like bringing up all this shit? Leah's just like not biting until she realizes that Selby's trying to get herself off. And then she's like, yep, did it all. Did it all by myself. Yep, sure did. And it's just like, man. I feel like in the movie at least, like that's the point, right? Is to like show you the other side of it. Yes, she's, she's a monster now. But if you, I mean, just, like, step in, D-Facts. Realize a 14-year-old is pregnant. And no matter whose baby it is, that's that's abuse. She's 14. Like, that's,
1: yeah. Oh, well, it's, yeah. But also, can you imagine going 12 years of your life, thinking that your parents are your parents, and find out that they're your grandparents because your real parents wanted nothing to do with you, and your dad committed suicide... Because he was in jail for molesting children.
0: No, I can't imagine. That was the question, right? Can you imagine? No, I can't.
1: (laughs) I can't get my head around that. No, I mean, obviously that was rhetorical. No. No, it wasn't like a rhetorical. But, like, I can't even begin to fathom the amount of inner turmoil that she was going to carry around for the rest of her life from that. And then she was abused in that situation, with her grandparents. And then when her grandmother died, her grandfather was just like, bye, get out, I'm done with this. I don't have to put up with you anymore. See you later. So she spent her whole life being rejected.
0: Wasn't this also a Bundy scenario? It seems real similar to, like, Bundy's childhood. I don't know. I was, I mean, when I was 12, I was, like, still trying to color in the lines and super impressionable about everything, so.
1: But it definitely makes sense Why she would turn to prostitution. Because she spent her entire life being rejected. And in real life, Eileen with Tyria... um, Tyria was really disapproving of Eileen being in prostitution. She tried to get her to stop frequently. But in the movie, Selby really glamorized Lee being a prostitute. You know, wow, people pay to be with you? You must be so great. That's so amazing. And she's like, yeah, I guess you're right. They do. And so that's probably where she's getting some kind of affection and validation.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, for me, being as impressionable as I am, I can fall in love with anybody who gives me a little bit of attention. And that's like, I have like pretty stable whatever growing up but, so like I cannot imagine if any one of those variables had been changed you know like how easily susceptible to manipulation I would be I mean I'm already like pretty this is setting you up for failure this person is insincere they're gonna leave you as soon as it's convenient and then still be like well whatever I'm not doing anything else you know like it's like that easy so yeah um so I get it where are we gonna go next I feel like we talked about a lot
1: we have talked about a lot but I think since we're kind of talking about getting some kind of validation from sex work I when I was in grad school found and saved research on the effects of sex work in personal relationships and I still had like the case study saved on my computer and so when I got done watching the movie the other day I pulled it up and just kind of like skimmed through it and just jotted down some of the results because I think especially in Lee and Selby's relationship we see some of like what was reported so it was a study that was done in Australia and it was back oh man I didn't write the date down so maybe I'll look that up in a second so I can actually have valid information to stand on but it was in Australia and it was 55 sex workers and they were all female that were interviewed for it. And it was self-reporting with a mix of open-ended and closed-ended questions. And what was found in there is that 78% of the women had reported that sex worked impacted both their personal and their romantic relationships in a fairly negative way. Yeah, and most of those, what it said was trust issues, lying, guilt, and jealousy, and... Absolutely, I can see, obviously, how that would be. But also, we see it a lot in um, Eileen and Tyria's relationship. You know, Tyria did not want Eileen to be a sex worker. She was jealous. She felt it wasn't necessary. It wasn't safe. And Tyria wanted to be, like, this dominant figure. And she said that she would take care of Eileen. And we kind of see those roles switched. And Monster was Selby and Lee, you know... Selby's like, are you going to take care of me? What about money? I'm hungry. You don't even care. And Eileen's like, I'll take care of you. I'll do this. And she's like, she, as in uh, Sully, Selby, you know, she asks her, you're like, what? You're just using me. All of a sudden, we're together, and you want to stop hooking? I thought hooking was so great. And I say hooking, knowing that it probably has a negative connotation. But that's what's said in the movie. So I was quoting. Yeah. In that same uh, research, it said that only 51% of those women reported that their romantic partners knew about their work, which was kind of eye-opening to me, is that 78 of them said that it reported their life negatively, but only 50% of them, like, their partners knew. So can you imagine harboring this huge secret and having these, like, emotional disconnect with your partner and not wanting to be intimate and them not knowing why, but not being able to have that support, which is also kind of a horrifying thing to think out. And then the other chunk of them that said that were single, they chose to remain single because of the nature of their work and they felt they were incapable of love, which is heartbreaking. And there was a 50 50 split, which I thought like was a really interesting fact. Close to 50 50 on reporting that sex worth either boosted their self confidence or gave them a sense of self-loathing. So some of them, it boosted it, which I think we see in Lee in the beginning. She's like, yeah, I'm a prostitute. It's great. People pay to be with me. Yeah, I'm awesome. But also we kind of see it after her abusive incident. She doesn't want it, and she kind of self loathes about it.
0: I mean, I, she doesn't lie to Selby, right? Like Selby asks her, are you a, a hooker? And she's like, yeah, but Selby is the one who glamorizes it, not Eileen. She, I mean, she, she like hams it up for her, she hams it up for her Johns, right? I don't know, is there, do we need a good term for them or can we just call them the motherfuckers that they are?
1: Yeah, straight up.
0: Okay, so she, she hams it up for her Johns, right? Like when she names her price and they're like, wow, that's a lot. She's like, well, you know, it's not my first time. Right, like she hands it up for them, but that's I mean that's what they that's what they say in alias grace, right? Is like a bad hooker is not a bad hooker because she's bad at it, it's because she's a bad actress. Yeah. Right. So I mean, yeah, so that um sucks for Eileen and I can't I mean Lee and Eileen, it sucks for anyone, I would imagine, but um that what you said about um them feeling incapable of love I don't think that's what Eileen, or, I mean, I don't think that's what Lee feels, right? I think she feels like she's not worthy of being loved, which is different.
1: No, and I think Eileen just rolls with it.
0: Which sucks. Like, that's way worse. That's, I mean, do you
1: think so? No, I definitely think so. I think there's one thing to just be like, this is not for me. I don't think it's something that I would be good at. And then it's another to be like, this sounds great. I want this, but I don't deserve this. I think that's a really big dichotomy there. And the latter is super heartbreaking. Not that the the first one's not. But to feel unworthy of happiness or respect or love is sad. Because everyone deserves that. And underneath all of her bullshit and her murders, like, she is a human. And I think, I don't know, do you think if she were to get the right kind of affection at a more detrimental point in her life that she would have not killed people?
0: Based on the movie? Yeah. Because she doesn't want to, even with Selby. It's just the only thing that she can do to stay afloat and to keep Selby interested.
1: because yeah, when she tried to quit, Selby got furious, started ripping her cast off.
0: Well, Selby was also starving, so let's give her a break. Like, <laughs> she was hungry and was like, Look, you said
1: you were going to go straight, but that's not working. I was going to say, so she's ripping her cast off at one point, and Lee is like, what are you doing, Selby? And she's like, I need to go to work. And so, yeah, absolutely, Selby. You do need to go to work. Yeah.
0: Plus, Lee has forbidden her to leave the hotel, so she can't go get her
1: own job. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, but also, they are toxic to each other if that makes sense, because they both try to keep each other debilitated because uh, they think that the other one's going to leave them. I think. That's what it seemed like to me, which is really the opposite of what you want.
1: Does it say in the movie at any point how long Selby and Lee are together before Lee is caught?
0: I don't know. It didn't seem like very long. It seemed like maybe a couple months to me.
1: That's what I was thinking, because I was just curious again in comparing and contrasting you know the real relationship and the fictional relationship how that timeline lined lined up because it seemed like it was maybe two or three months in the movie
0: um yeah i mean not to say that a couple months is not plenty of time to get god knows attached to someone i mean look at look at my shit and i don't even anyway but not saying that that's like a super short amount of time especially when they're literally spending every waking hour and sleeping hour together um
1: no it is No, not at all. And that's definitely not what I meant by it. I think it was just more so in my head, trying to line things up and see. And so, especially since both of them obviously, you know, essentially convinced them to confess and turned Eileen slash Lee in. Because Tyria and Eileen were together for four years. Four years. And that was Eileen's longest relationship And she said in an interview that it was her longest relationship, not only romantically, but also personally, which made my heart drop.
0: That makes me so sad.
1: But, so I was just kind of curious, because again, like, it's a four-year relationship. This is a person that you've grown to love and trust and refer to as your wife and your true love and your longest relationship, and then ultimately, like, they turn you in. And they never spoke, ever, after that time, which I think is also what monster says at the end it's like selby and lee never spoke again after this day and so eileen learned to lean on her friend don in real life but obviously her friend don or the likelihood of don was never mentioned in the movie it just focused it solely on selby and lee's relationship
0: and there's that also that part when in the movie when lee the I guess the, what do you call them, bailiffs are taking her to prison, again, back to prison, and she turns over, she looks over her shoulder for a second, and, she, and then the voiceover is like, well, they have to tell you something. And then she, like, flips her hair, and then they walk off into, like, and, and then it's, like, that, too, it's too bright, you know, like, it kind of washes them out, and then the credits roll, and I think that's where it says, like, they never spoke again. Um, So... To me, and that, like that's our next point, right? Is like, would you, would you, if you named your movie about Eileen Wornos' monster, why would you do it that way, um, or why would you name it that? And I am not sure that that's the monster the movie is named after. Like, I definitely feel like Selby is worse because she perpetuates Eileen or uses Lee. But I mean, she does, in fact, use her. Like, she maybe doesn't know she's doing it, but that doesn't mean she's not doing it. And then lee falls on the grenade i mean she's doing everything anyway pretty much like selby is at at worst an accomplice but she's like no i did everything she didn't know like it's it was all me all by myself it's so sad to me because it's like that's what she's used to is being all by herself she's almost like grateful to be used by selby
1: yeah Bad attention is – any like, any attention is good attention in her eyes at this point, it felt like. Any sort of affection, even if it's passive, aggressive, microaggressions, it's still attention, it's still affection. It's somebody needing her versus her being alone or needing somebody else.
0: Yeah, and do you remember at the end when Tom is like, come outside – I think it's Tom, the guy who owns the rental facilities. When he's like, come outside with me, and she's like, no – everybody but you like you in my head are still a good guy like not you right i mean he he is he's not on her team he's a good guy he's not trying to solicit her he's trying to take her to prison but he also also like that he just found out she was killing people when she was a sex worker he was like you have to do what you have to do i get it you know, and w- which is also sucky. Like, if you know she's having to do that and you have means, hook a girl up. I mean, like, she's clearly, she, for a while there, she was going on those interviews and, like, she didn't know how to try right. But she she was doing the best she knew how.
1: Yeah. Teach her how to try.
0: Yeah, right? Damn. Anyway, so uh, I think this kind of goes without saying, but it probably bears repeating. What makes this movie scary? Or is it?
1: I mean, there's just a lot of things in the movie that are scary, I guess. Neglect is scary. Rejection is scary. Murder is scary. Having to trust a stranger to not turn on you while you provide them sexual favors for money is fucking scary. Rape is motherfucking scary.
0: Yep. Seconded. (laughs) All of those things. All of those things. And then also just to add to the myriad problems, just having no way out of it, trying to get out of it and not being able to. The idea that you are like, this is enough. I've had enough. I'm going to kill myself. And then it gets worse. Like it gets a little bit better and then a whole
1: lot worse. After you have that one glimmer of hope to have such a shit life and to still... Hang on to this tiny, itty-bitty, minuscule thread of hope to have everything just crumble and just... And uh,
0: plenty of people do. And that sucks. So.
1: Yeah.
0: I had one more question, or one more thing. Um, Like, most of the time I feel like we try to find, like, a theme, like, what's the takeaway? I feel like this one was, like, there's supposed to be a moral. What did you think? You think there's, like, a moral?
1: The moral of the story is... Fucking stop judging people. You be nice to people when you see them because you don't know what they're going through. And fucking try to help people, like, in any way that you can. Try to help your neighbor. Try to do some good because you, as in the universal you, could literally change things for somebody, good or bad. Oh,
0: my gosh. I don't know. I feel like... I tried to think of it, like, as we were getting ready. I was like, what what's the takeaway from this movie? And I feel like making the movie right after she was executed was to be like, maybe we as a culture didn't do the right thing long-term. Also, Florida is like, shoot from the hip on their legal stuff. So like, one moral of the story is if you're going to be a murderer, don't do it in Florida.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's like the worst place to do it because like, anyway, maybe not the worst, but among
1: the worst. Also, it's like,
0: what if you had just done something when she was 11?
1: Yeah remove all the past trauma and put yourself semi-mentally into the scene where the guy whacks her in the face and then ties her up in the car and starts molesting her and raping her and just doing all these atrocious things to her I don't know fight or flight kicks in obviously I'm not a murderer but I can't say that I would not react the exact same way
0: With, with the fight or flight shit yeah literally
1: If I'm being attacked and violated like that, I cannot say for certain that I would not, in the heat of the moment, grab a weapon and try to get away like you're threatening my life and bludgeon the bastard to death, just like the quiz. Or shoot him, like Clint said, the good old American way.
0: (laughs) He said he just wants to fit in.
1: But like, for real. Yeah. That's why it's, I think I like or am intrigued by Eileen as a person, Or as her story, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to say she's not a monster. But she's kind of not a monster. Obviously, like, she killed seven people. That's not okay. They're not justified. But if, I don't know. You could almost understand and why she did what she did. But she still killed seven people.
0: Yeah. I know. I remember, like, the first time I watched it being like, so, what did you expect? Like, what did you expect for her to do? Oh, hell no. She's a survivor. Like, she's not going to, like, just roll over and let and take it. Like, that's not her deal. Anyway, so this was a super bummer. Um, Or to me, it was really important. Like, those couple scenes stuck with me for 10, almost 15 years. Yeah. So, um, do you want to tell us what movie
1: we're going to do next? Hell yes, I do. I'm so we're doing the shining everybody because Mary Kay hates it and it's one of my favorite movies and I can't wait to have a battle of wits with you over why this movie is amazing and one of the best horror movies ever
0: So next time will be opposite of this. This time was a bummer. Next time it's going to be a battle royale. It's going to be super fun. Also, Megan still has the hot takes from when I watched it the first time. And I was texting her with my reactions, which were extreme. And then also, just so you know, I have the book on audio. So I'll have the comparison. I'm liking the book a lot better than the movie, despite Jack Nicholson. Who I love.
1: Oh, my God. I cannot wait to post the picture of the screenshot I took of those texts because my favorite Mary Kay quote ever, and I need to say it here to get people pumped and intrigued and ready to listen to that episode, is you trashing the movie the entire time and then all of a sudden I get a text (laughs) that says, I would fuck the literal dog shit out of Jack Nicholson. (laughs) I stand by that. I was in tears.
0: Because of Jack Nicholson's performance, I'm going to give it a concession.
1: Yeah. So, obviously, we all know how excited I am about our next podcast episode. But between now and then, you have some cool stuff coming to the blog, right? What's next on the blog?
0: Yeah. Well, what just happened is I did um, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. um, And it's Martin McDonough. If If you haven't seen the movie already, I mean, even if you don't read the thing, you should see the movie because it's martin mcdonough and francis mcdormand who i love and sam rockwell and it's just it's really i feel like really well done Um, but if you do if you like it let us know if you didn't like it also let us know and then after three billboards um, i did the shape of water which is guillermo del toro and that one just came out Um, that's the most recent thing on the blog and i don't think that i i like everything but just lately like I've been liking everything. Like I really loved Shape of Water too, um, because it's like it's the fairy tale ending for the the little girls and boys who were really pissed at the end of Beauty and the Beast when the Beast turned back into the prince. <laughs> so I think that I mean again, if you if you even if you don't read the blog, go see that movie. It's very beautiful. Even if you don't like it, I feel like um, you won't feel like ugh. I could have just waited for it to come out on DVD because it's. It's really cinematic and spe- like it's a lot of spectacle. It's really pretty.
1: Well, I mean, Guillermo de Toro did it, so it's going to be beautiful. He's one of my favorites. It's pays tribute to some of my favorite films. I'm all about Creature from the Black Lagoon, so
0: Yeah, it's kind of a retelling of that. It's um I thought about you, obviously. Did you see it yet already? I haven't seen it yet. Oh my gosh, what are you doing with
1: your life? But I read the blog. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you got to go see it, like, tonight. It's so good. And now it's on nationwide release. And then up next, I'm trying to do The Greatest Showman about P.T. Barnum because, and it's not really, like, a scary movie, but um, for a long time, the freak shows did play on people's fears of being, like, both, like, fascinated and then also repelled because uh, we didn't, as a culture, understand what was happening. Anyway, so I'm trying to write about the Greatest Showman, but it uh, honestly, like, I didn't love that. I mean, I love the other two, but I didn't love it. So, if you have stuff that you want me to talk about, I guess, or just like interesting things, um, new perspectives on the Greatest Showman, I would really love to hear that as well. And now I have a question for you. Yes, I looked it up, and Eileen Wornos' last meal was black coffee.
1: Oh man.
0: Which is the, oh, damn it, the most dispiriting last meal that I've ever heard of. Like, it's worse than the KFC, John Wayne Gacy thing, for sure, but so she had black coffee for her last meal. Megan, I need you to dream big and tell us what your last meal would be.
1: Okay, I need to dream big.
0: It would be breakfast, right? Don't they execute people in the morning?
1: Yeah, I think, but maybe I don't want breakfast.
0: Okay, just, I'm just saying.
1: Maybe I want a spread of all of my favorite items from each meal. But what would those be? I want waffles with, no, I don't want waffles. Shit.
0: You can have that and something else. It's your
1: last meal. I know, so I'm, I'm about to like just start naming shit. Uh, Pizza's gonna be there. I don't know in what way, but I want pizza. Maybe with mac and cheese on the side. Maybe I want some motherfucking waffles. I don't know. I feel like black coffee would also be there. I love black coffee. That's how I take my coffee. I like, I don't know, forgot to finish that word. I want a whole bottle of wine. I'd be extra as hell. I'd order everything. What about you? I feel like you have the most perfect meal already planned.
0: No, I I really don't. Um... I, I like you. I just want everything. I'd pr- the poltergeist in me is going to order something like that's impossible for them to find. So it's like we're going to have to push this back a little. Like I'd like a pterodactyl flank steak, please. Like that's honestly like I'm, I'm going to get sh- sh- wasted before it's happening. Champagne is my best personality. I don't know if you know that. So I'd hopefully have like some quippy last remarks. Man, it's on my bucket list to walk away from an explosion. I don't know if you know that, but I really want to just, like, drop something real heavy. And then, like, Oscar Wilde's last words, right? Or either that wallpaper goes or I do. That's best last words to me, I think. But champagne for sure. I want baba ganoush and a ton of pita bread because you know how people are like, what would you eat if the calories didn't count? A ton of pita bread. Fresh. I need someone to make it. Like, I need someone's grandma. I need need a city to make the pita fresh
1: pita, hummus.
0: Yep. And I want, but baba ganoush is like hummus, but what hummus wants to be when it grows up. So I want baba ganoush. I don't know. I'd probably just like carbo load pretty heavy. Something with melted cheese. Yeah. That's why I said pizza and mac
1: and cheese. Maybe some tacos.
0: Yeah. Carrot cake with the cream cheese icing. Just the most fattening shit that I love.
1: Yeah. That's what I would go with.
0: Regardless, happy new year. Like live it up. Good luck with your
1: New Year's resolutions. Try not to murder anybody, but if you do...
0: Or if you do, (laughs) make sure you have your outfit (laughs) pre-planned. Plan your
1: last meal.
0: Just saying, make sure you're ready. And then we're going to testify against you because knowing the outfit and being incredibly well-dressed signifies premeditation.